We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. of the Budding Heads Podcast, part of Rams Talk Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Rivera. Here's with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's a huge day for us. It has, it's been a long offseason, but the Rams have finally signed their first free agent from another team this offseason, and we're going to get to talk about it today. How excited are you? How are you feeling? Uh, it, it, it's a huge day, huge moment for the team. It took until May to sign a free agent, but we finally did it. I was like, wow, the Rams signed somebody. And then I looked at who it was, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) If you're out of loop, it is quarterback Brett Ripon, who spent the last four years as a backup with the Denver Broncos. On his career, he's thrown for four touchdowns and eight interceptions. So... (laughs) <laughs> this is probably the extent we're going to talk about it. Uh, is presumably will be a camp body competing with Setson Bennett for the backup quarterback job, uh, but he, I think he would have to really, really outplay Bennett to make the team. <laughs> yeah, he's nothing more than a camp body. I I would be shocked if he makes the uh, the active roster unless the Rams are adamant of having three quarterbacks on the roster, which they could. They they went three quarterbacks for the majority of the season last year. So who knows? Maybe he just is just that added insurance. But uh, uh, let, let's face it, if it gets down to him and, and Bennett, um, the season's pretty much toast at that point. Not that it will be uh, – not that I'm all that confident in the season with Stafford under the helm. The Rams had to keep two quarterbacks on the roster backing up Matthew Stafford for the past couple of years. And they valued these guys so much, Johnny, that instead of re-signing them, they signed Brett Ripon. So 
You know, <laughs> thank God. Damn. Thank God we wasted that extra roster spot on a third quarterback for the last couple of years. Thank God. <laughs> Steve chose violence this morning. <laughs> well, evening. <laughs> Just like uh, the revelation last season when we realized that neither of those guys were good was genuinely one of the tougher pills I think I've had to swallow over the last couple of years. Not that it really mattered, but it's like we kept three quarterbacks mainly because we like the, clearly the Rams staff valued Bryce Perkins enough to think he was a legitimate player to hold that third spot uh, while also keeping John Wolford, who they also valued. Clearly, a lot of that has to do with, you know, scout team quarterbacking and, and the like. But it's real tough when they both ended up being really bad when they actually had to play. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, especially uh, especially because, you know, the, the Rams didn't have a true veteran backup quarterback. And they relied on guys like Wolford and Perkins. And to Wolford's credit, he did actually have that one uh, win before the playoffs back three, what in three 20... years ago. Yeah, yeah, like like what 2020? Uh, yeah, it was it was the last year we had Goff because if you remember, he started the wild card game and got injured on the first drive. Yeah, yeah, there's that. So that's how that's how low they were on Jared Goff at that point. It was at that point we knew that they <laughs> yeah. were looking to make a move. And then Perkins was just an all out gamble and clearly they failed. So Yeah. Uh lessons learned, I guess. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like I'm sure somebody's listening thinking like, who fucking cares? And this is like, and you're correct. You're correct. Out of all the mistakes the Rams have made over the last couple of years, this may be literally the least significant of their mistakes. But when you are doing 52 of these podcasts a year, okay, we need shit to talk about. And I, you know, we, we've watched enough of the Rams to have an opinion on their decision to keep three quarterbacks over the last couple of years. That's, a great way to open the pod you know a little Brett Ripon talk uh and now we're going to talk about probably 25 ish potentially players that have just as relevant of careers as Brett Ripon hopefully a lot more of them have productive careers here but it's our undrafted free agent class the Rams signed 26 undrafted free agents to go along with their 14 draft picks so that's 40 rookies will be entering training camp with the Los Angeles Rams, which is absolutely insane. Uh, I don't have another number from another team to compare it to, but I cannot, I, I have to imagine we have the most rookies coming in this year. Johnny, I'm just going to read you every player on the list, and then I'll give you a chance to talk about anyone you, that has stood out to you. Give Go me a for it. Let's see if I could get through 20 of these names, and let's see how badly I picture these. And they're, they're starting it hard. Kalichi Anya Lebeki, inside linebacker out of Incarnate Ward. <laughs> God damn. I hope he makes a team, because that's a, that's a sick name. 
Tanner it, Brown. It really is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, that is that is an awesome name. I I saw a TikTok recently of somebody was naming baseball players who could be whose names could have been Star Wars characters if you didn't know who they were, and that's definitely in the same category. I keep going. Tanner Brown, kicker out of Oklahoma State. Braxton Burmeister, wide receiver out of San Diego State. Tamarcus Davis, cornerback out of Arizona State. Tyan Davis, cornerback out of Tulsa. Colin Duncan, safety out of Mississippi State. Christopher Dunn, kicker out of North Carolina State. Tyan Evans, running back out of Louisville. Tyler Hudson, wide receiver out of Louisville. Tanner Ingle, safety out of North Carolina State. Sam James, wide receiver out of West Virginia. Matthew Jester, outside linebacker out of Princeton. Quindell Johnson, safety out of Memphis. Jordan Jones, cornerback out of Rhode Island. Sean Majin, uh, I it says OC on the Rams offensive on the Rams website, which I'm assuming is center. Yes. OC out of Wake Forest. Mike McAllister, OC out of Youngstown State. Cameron McCutcheon, cornerback out of Western Carolina. Grant Miller, offensive lineman out of Baylor. Christian Sims, tight end out of Bowling Green. Ryan Smenda Jr., inside linebacker out of Wake Forest. Xavier Smith, wide receiver out of Florida A&M. DeAndre Square, inside linebacker out of Kentucky. Rashad Torrance, safety out of Florida. Alex Ward, long snapper out of Central Florida. Dresser Wynn, quarterback out of Tennessee Martin. And Jaden Woodby, inside linebacker out of Boston College. Now, Johnny, I think because I'm sure we don't have many takes about all 26 of these guys as players. I think we could speak to, you know, what positions they targeted, how many of each position they targeted. But when you read this list initially, was there anyone on here that you either had interest in, in the later rounds of the drafts or just somebody you liked in college that stood out to you as a player you're excited for the Rams to bring in here? I mean, immediately it was, uh, Quindell Johnson out of Memphis. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I thought he was drafted. I, I had no idea he went undrafted. And uh, it's kind of one of those – he was kind of one of those players where you knew he wasn't going to go like day one or day two, but you knew he was going to go day three. Uh, or at least I thought he was going to go day three. And I assume that somebody had swept, uh, you know, swept him up and you know added them to their roster – but then I see that the Rams picked them up as an undrafted free agent. I was like, holy shit. The Rams got themselves a, a damn good player as an undrafted free agent, especially at safety. Because uh, if you go back to last week's podcast where the Ram, uh, where you know, Steve and I talked about the Rams draft class, we mentioned about how safety really wasn't a huge priority. Uh, you know, they, they went after Jason Taylor in the seventh round, but it wasn't like a huge, huge priority. But you look at, and we'll get more into this, but you look at the undrafted free agent, there's quite a few safeties that they went after. And Quindell Johnson being one of them, he he will bring a, a, a little bit of competition for, you know, not just Jason Taylor, but the rest of the safeties as well. This is an extremely young group of safeties and even Jordan Fuller, who is, I guess the veteran on this team now at safety um, is not very old. So you, 
you uh, couple that with, uh, you know, these guys that are hungry to make a name for themselves. And, you know, th this is a guy that could very well not only make the roster, but make an impact as a contributor, maybe even a starter somewhere down the line, uh, you know, if he continues to progress on the NFL level. So I, I like Wendell Johnson uh, easily by far the, the best signing uh, as an undrafted free agent for the Rams uh, in 2023. And I think um, they signed four safeties and really like if any of these guys stands out big time in the preseason or in camp, I would say not only do they have a chance to make the team, they could start like their Russ East is penciled in as a starter today. And that is a, a very beatable player for that gig. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's great that your top guy is a safety Quindell Johnson on, on uh, NFL.com, they had him with a round five draft projection. So, yeah, it is pretty surprising that somebody like that would kind of fall into your lap. And I'm sure for him, when he when he's picking what team he'd want to sign for, this has got to be, I think for any of these guys, except for a small number of positions, there are a lot of open positions on the Rams roster right now. And especially if you're on the defensive side of the ball, if you walk in and you're great, you'll probably play in week one uh, because they're, they are just so thin in a lot of places. And you look at the the players they signed here. I'm going to rattle off some numbers by position. Four cornerbacks, four safeties. So they bring in eight defensive backs, which I think is smart because considering when we talked about the draft class last week, they didn't go heavy on defensive backs, even though it was a big position to need. And I don't think – I think uh, – they wait, they didn't draft a single DB until the sixth round, and they only drafted two, right? It was Johnson and uh, Hodges Tomlinson. Ch sorry, Taylor and Hodges Tomlinson. Um, yeah. I have John Johnson on my mind because he's still unsigned and would love <laughs> if he's our starting safety in week one. Uh, so they bring in eight defensive backs. They signed four wide receivers. They signed four inside linebackers, which is pretty surprising. Or wait, that's not true. Give me that side. They signed. That is true. Four inside linebackers. I wrote the wrong position under that. Um, they signed three offensive linemen. They signed two kickers. Uh, they only signed one outside linebacker, one running back, and one tight end. So they obviously they you know they drafted a couple outside linebackers in the draft. Here they chose to bring in a bunch of inside linebackers, presumably one of these guys would make the team, right? Uh, helping back up Ernest Jones. You know, I don't, I think with, with these groups specifically with cornerbacks, with safeties, um, with inside linebackers, you're bringing in this, these, this many guys in the hopes that one of them is good enough to make the team at least. Um, wide receivers, they did sign four, but when it, it's interesting, because when you look at the depth chart at receiver, there is definitely playing time available, but um, I, I guess, yeah, actually, there. if you consider Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua locks to make the roster, there are five guys that are locks. Lance McCutcheon, you know, he'd probably have to really regress from last year to not get that sixth spot. So I guess there's room for one more uh, if, if somebody does stand out, but... 
I I definitely think it was smart for, you know, if you're going to bring in this many guys to kind of over-invest in defensive backs because that's coming out of the draft. That's the biggest need on the team, I think. Uh, edge rusher, too, obviously, but they actually patched that up in the draft. The problem is, even with what they did in the draft, still one of the worst groups in the league. Probably the worst. <laughs> Wow, shots fired. I mean, I, I don't I don't think they should take offense to it. Prove me wrong, but there's not a single outside linebacker on the team that has accomplished anything in the NFL. And they drafted one this year, but in the third round. So, you know, you're not bringing in a, a guy who day one, I mean, maybe, hopefully they are, but it's unlikely that Byron Young walks in on day one and is a absolute terror in every facet of the position. Yeah, you're not wrong for sure. Um, you know what I want to talk about in this group, Johnny? Obviously, it is the fact that they signed two kickers. Tanner Brown out of Oklahoma State, Christopher Dunn out of NC State. Christopher Dunn last season, he went 28 of 29 on field goals, made both of his kicks from beyond 50 yards. In his career at NC State over five years, he went 200 for 200 on extra points. So I would say he's probably the front runner, but Tanner Brown out of Oklahoma State, um, he also never missed an extra point. Only two years there on 78 attempts. He went 22 of 23 last season um, and 101 from beyond 50 yards. So I love that we're getting another kicker battle here. They didn't sign a punter, so... Uh, was it his name Ethan Evans? Did I, did I remember that right? Yes, I did. Yeah, you remembered correctly. Yes, I did. Uh, not bringing any competition for him, which is interesting considering how many roster spots we have. I mean, you might as well. They also signed a long snapper, so you're kind of set there. But that being said, if Ethan Evans doesn't work out, they'll just cut him and sign a bet. Uh, I think he's still trying out to make the team, even though they didn't bring any competition in for him. Hopefully they learned their lesson on their kicker woes of the last couple years. And same thing if neither Brown nor Dunn impresses in camp. Just go sign a vet. You might end up with Matt Gay. That's true. I I mean, he was sitting at home doing nothing when, uh, you know, the Rams were struggling to find, you know, their their, uh, kicker. And oddly enough, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was – uh, Johnny Hecker that recommended like, Hey, why don't you give Matt Gay a shot? And, uh, well, that the rest was history. He became one, one of the better kickers that the Rams have had in recent memory. So one of the highest paid kickers in NFL history right now. Yeah. So, um, he was hoping that, uh, we don't have to go through that struggle again, but you know, I, I, I do like the, the kickers that they ended up signing and they didn't have to draft them in the third round. So that's that's excellent news as well. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, the 49ers signed a kicker or, or drafted a kicker rather. Very high. In the third round. Very high. I, w- I was getting a little little FOMO from that, to be, if we're being honest here. Uh, when everyone started drafting kickers, I was just sitting there like, I would have done that. <laughs> Would you have drafted a kicker that high? Well, that's why I'm not a GM, Johnny. That's why I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I guess you can sit here and t- and say that the 49ers got their guy, but geez, 
if there was ever a reach, the 49ers had reached big time. Yeah, it's in the third round. I mean, yeah, even in the fourth, like, it, probably not until the fifth for me. If they, if they took a kicker in the fifth round in that string of picks they had, I would not be complaining about it. No, nah, I mean, fifth round is fine. It's a little high still, but, you know, it's it's not the end of the world if you draft a kicker in the fifth round, especially, you know, if if that's uh, if that's who you like. But uh, yeah, um, pick number ninety nine went to Jake Moody. Insane! It was fifty nine. Ninety nine. Oh, ninety nine. Okay, yeah, that's still <laughs> kind of crazy. Get too carried away now, Steve. Yeah, well, it's the uh, who's the kicker that the Bucks drafted in the second round that ended up being horrible. I don't remember his name. Was it Matt Gay? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Matt Gay was uh he kind of was just a casually casualty because when they signed Brady, they wanted a vet kicker, and so that's really why Matt Gay got cut. Do you remember when the Raiders drafted Sebastian Janikowski in the first round? That would be a Raider move. Yes, I do recall <laughs> that. It's one of those things where it's like, how do you even measure? Like, I don't think there's a world where that works out. You know, because he had a great career. You know, an incredible career for a kicker. But there's no way if you redrafted that draft class, he goes 11. There's no world. <laughs> you you just can't put or a price on a good kicker, man. 17, sorry. But yeah, I mean, you can, and it's not the 17th pick. <laughs> <sighs> Sean yeah. Alexander went 19. Like, that's the, the caliber of players that were around here. Julian Peterson went the pick before him. So, like, God, there's so many names in this draft class. Bubba Franks, tight end. Wow. <laughs> it's hilarious how long Janikowski played that those are the guys he's getting drafted with. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, I want to give a shout out to Xavier Smith, who the Rams signed out of Florida A&M University kick returner, um, but but obviously played receiver in college, so can do a bit of a bit of everything. You know, you look at his profile, uh, what he can do. Clearly, like a guy, I think out of the receiver group probably has the best chance to make the team because a he returns kicks and punts, and b is uh, a small kind of gadget guy. You could think in theory could take on some of the work 
that Brandon Powell did in the offense, if he works out, if he really works out, he could potentially be what they wanted Tutu Atwell to be. Uh, but I wouldn't go that far out of out of a five nine undrafted free agent. Then again, you know, we we drafted a five nine hundred seventy pound guy in the second round. So hey, who knows? I that was just one I was I just going through these guys was I was pretty excited about. And hopefully they let him return punts because we do not want Cooper Cup back there again. They cannot have Cooper Cup back there, but yes, I, I am uh I am glad you brought up Xavier Smith because um he, he definitely was was definitely targeted to bring in uh, punts and kicks, which is something that the Rams obviously need now that Brandon Powell's gone. And, you know, if he turns out to be someone that could be a gadget receiver like Brandon Powell, uh, this this could have been a, a, a good pickup uh, for an undrafted free agent. And as, like you said, a good chance of, of making the roster. So why not? You know, I, I'm all for it. Um there's actually quite a few picks in here that that I'm a big fan of, but uh, uh, I still me, think Qu- Quindell Johnson is my favorite by far, though. Give me some other names because we got a whole podcast to fill here. That's true. We do. <laughs> I guess we do have. Uh, to tell you the truth, one of the things that uh, I absolutely loved about this uh, undrafted free agent draft class, I guess you could call it, is um, the fact that, like you pointed out, there was definitely positions that they targeted, especially positions that, you know, wasn't necessarily addressed, you know, in the in the regular NFL draft. So it was kind of nice to see that, okay, maybe they didn't address it in the draft, but um, they did have, uh, you know, the position in mind. So easily one that comes to mind is uh, the Jordan Jones pickup out of Rhode Island. Uh, absolutely love this pickup. This was a guy that may have not had, you know, the flashiest name on there, but um, I think if this guy can, you know, learn from, from the coaching staff, um, you know, there's definitely need a depth there. Uh, the fact that I like that he has kind of like a ball hawking capability. That's what I love. Um, a- anytime you can get yourself a cornerback that has a nose for the football, that's what you need. Uh, and man, uh, trying to replace some of these guys isn't going to be easy, but the, the more young talent that you bring aboard and that can learn from, you know, some of these other guys, I think the better. And I, I do think the Rams will end up bringing in a, a veteran, hopefully like a Troy Hill or someone like that. Um, because it, it can't be just youngsters, but, uh, Jordan Jones is definitely a guy to look out for, for sure. Um, let's see who else I'm trying to remember. Well, just like we could just go through some names on the, on the depth chart here. Because yeah, I think it was smart to go this heavy into safety and cornerback. Cause you look at the depth chart and you look at the roster. Here are the guys that were here before the draft at cornerback. You have Robert Rochelle, Kobe Durant, Darian Kendrick, and what Sean Jolly was here last year, right? Yep. Uh, at safety, you have Jordan Fuller, Russell East, and Quentin Lake. So all of these guys are going to have real shots to make the team if they can prove themselves. I mean, they're you look at cornerback, we just named three guys. The only other lock to make the team is, and not even a lock, really, if he just comes in and is bad, is Travis Hodgins Tomlinson. But we 
love that pick. So I would be pretty confident he's going to make the team potentially have a role. And you look at safety, it's, it's I mean, Jordan Fuller, Russies, and Quentin Lake. Like, that is not a good group of guys. You hope uh, Jordan Fuller can get back to health and, and be really the guy in the secondary just based on are you watching Tokyo Drift? What's what's going on over there? <laughs> you know, I swear this never happens when I'm not podcasting, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's always freaking quiet. But the minute I decide to put on, you know, the microphone, it's like, let's drift in front of Johnny's house. <laughs> I, I, I don't even have an answer for that one, man. I really don't. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So like the, the spots in the secondary man, men are wide open and, uh, you look at the inside linebacker group, you got Ernest Jones there behind him. You have Christian Roseboom and Jay Cummel. And then all these undrafted guys, we just said, um, like Kalichi, Anya Lavecki. <laughs> if, if, if that was close, Ryan Smenda. Uh, who are the other guys on this list? DeAndre Square, Jaden Woodby. So, like, again, one of those guys is going to make the team, most likely, um, unless they just keep Roseboom and Hummel. But I, mean, I, don't, I would not sit here and call Jake Hummel a lock to make the roster. And so, like, these these guys have shots, man. I mean, it's not to get, like, super repetitive here, but... They're in, and they have a little bit of cap space. Not not a ton, but even, like, going to the, the defensive line on the edge, you'll have you'll have Michael Hoyt. Uh, <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even figure out looking at this group who was here last year. Michael Hoyt, Keir Thomas, Daniel Hardy. Those guys were here last year, right? Yes. Yes. Because uh, they have Byron Young already listed as a starter on ESPN, so that threw me off. So then, yeah, you have, you have Byron, Hump, Byron Young, you had Nick Hampton, uh, O'Shawn Mathis, and then, and then all these guys we just went through. Like, I, I, I mean, you're probably sitting here saying, like, Michael Hoyt's a lock to make the roster, but genuinely, all of those guys could get cut if better options come around. They're not going to, just because we have no players. And then in, on the interior line, you have Aaron Donald, Ernest Brown, Jonah Williams, Marquise Copeland, Bobby Brown, Laryl Murchison, and then you add Kobe Turner and Deshaun Johnson. So just like we just named those guys, I mean, there were what, like two legitimate, real, guaranteed NFL players in there, three if you want to count Jordan Fuller, which I would. And then just like all these guys, like some of them have upside, sure, but none of these guys were second round picks or better. I think Byron Young is, is the highest guy in the, in this group. Uh, you know, Kobe Durant was what a fourth round pick. It's it. it I think they need to design a vet at one of these positions. I, I think it's just like, if you go into day one with this unit and it works out, and Raheem Morris is not a head coach next year. That is just like he deserves to be the highest paid coach in the NFL if this is a top ten defense. <laughs> For real, though. like maybe in history, because this is just like it's just Aaron Donald and guys, uh, and Ernest Jones, you know, and, and I guess Jordan Fuller. But like, 
when Jordan Fuller, after the last season he had, is your third best player on the defense, and like by a substantial margin, it is crazy. All of these guys are going to get a shot to play. They're especially like the, the guy like Byron Young, man, he could play 100% of the snaps if he wants to. Everyone's going to get a shot to get out there to make mistakes. Um, I'm sure they're going to make a lot of them. And it's like like when when we really talk about the outlook of this team in 2023, you know, even if Stafford works out, it like gets back to full health, if Cooper Cup is healthy, even if like Cam Akers is, if that last five game stretch is real, and even if the offensive line works out and you end up having a really good offense, which is a lot of question marks. But even if that happens, how how does this defense end up being good? Like, I just, it doesn't add up to what we're, like, the, the you just look at the depth chart here. It's just on paper, and this is saying a lot considering one of the, like, five best defensive players to ever wear football pads in or at least close to his prime is on this unit. It might be the worst group of players I've ever seen. Wow. Collectively. <laughs> wow. I, I think I think Steve has been uh, drinking a bit of that Aiderade this morning. I, I just he, haven't he, looked at it like in totality yet. And that's not that is not me saying I don't like a lot of these guys as prospects. They have promise, but like you look at the prospects here, like I mean, and I'd love to be wrong. But, like, guys like Byron Young, guys like Kobe Durant, I think that's maybe the end of the list at the moment. Um, if those guys, like, pan out and become really good players, I mean, what's the ceiling there? You know, like, Kobe Durant, if he works out, I think could be a really good player, but he's probably not a, you know, I don't know if he could ever get to being a legitimate legitimate one cornerback. And I guess Byron Jones, Byron, sorry, Byron Young does have that kind of upside, but everything would need to work and then you go through the rest of these guys there's there's potential and i'm sure some of these guys are going to hit maybe a lot of them hit but it is just and, and i get why they're why they did everything they did this off season they're setting themselves for 2024 but like 10 of these guys need to pop for this to be a productive unit this year and that's secondary man is they're like if they go against a real like if we put do we play the Bills this year like we would get eviscerated in the passing game by that team. <laughs> I don't believe we do. Uh, n- no, we do not. Like we even play even the your t- NFC, the AFC East this year. Think about when we line up against the Seahawks and they have DK Metcalf and they have Tyler Lockett and. They have the wide receiver who I cannot remember. Who's the guy that they drafted? Uh, say again? Who's the receiver the Seahawks drafted that's really good? Oh, uh... I have a re- a Jackson Smith Nigma. Um, there we go. I knew yeah, it was JSN, I could not remember but his name. I, I didn't know his full name. Uh, I, I have real Monday brain here. I, I am sorry, guys. But I said, like, why? Because uh, it's not AFC East; it's AFC North. Uh, okay, yeah, I did see that today. I didn't think we played the Bills, but I was just trying to think of the team with a good quarterback, and good receiver. But like, you go up against those receivers, and even like Geno Smith is clearly good at this point. You know, probably not great, but 
if if we play them and they don't throw for 500 yards, like I will consider it a win. Like with with what the secondary looks like right now. And yeah, I think if you can get Troy Hill back on the cheap, I th- I think you have to do it just cuz e- like even if Kobe Durant takes a big leap forward and is a legitimate starting guy, you still need either Robert Rochelle to do the same thing or Travis Hodges Thompson to be like really really good as a rookie. Or one of these, uh, or, or Darian Kendrick to take a big leap, or one of these guys to pop. And really, because you're going to have three cornerbacks on the field a lot, you kind of need two of them. Like, and even Kobe's a question. Like, you need at least two of these guys who take big leaps to have a productive secondary in, in 2023. And again, I know 24 is the goal, but they're really going to need this offense to be putting up like 30, 40 points a game. I mean, obviously not that, but like in games they win against good teams. That's what's going to have to happen because it's just this is a crazy depth chart to look at. It's it's wild. I I don't think I've really sat down with it until this moment and just look at the names penciled into the starting lineup. <laughs> no, I mean you you bring up some valid points and and absolutely. I mean, I the way I kind of view the twenty twenty three season in general is sort of like a year of tryouts you know um obviously you know the guys that are going to be back in 2024 uh considering they don't retire you know the guys like matt matthew stafford and cooper cup aaron donald you know these guys 100 are coming back uh you know ernest jones probably can throw them in there absolutely they're they're 100 coming back but the rest <laughs> Uh, there's a big question mark in there. Um, so this is kind of like a tryout year. See if these guys uh, are worth keeping, hanging on to, because the cap space is coming back in 2024. The draft, the higher draft picks are coming back in uh, 2024, considering they don't trade them away, uh, which I imagine that will happen as well. Um, so <laughs> think of it as less need is just, you know, loading up to make another big splash in free agency uh, and the draft in 2024. Uh, that's really what it's come down to. And, and I think, like, and we can look at the offensive side of the ball, because, like, going into 23, they they say they're trying to be competitive. They say they're pushing for a, a make the playoffs. And... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I definitely, even with all the shit I just said about the defense, I definitely don't think it's impossible that they make the playoffs. And it's going to start with the offense. And because truly, like, you look at the outlook of this team, this defense is probably going to be bad. If it's not, it's a huge win. If it's bad, you, you can't enter the season with this depth chart expecting anything else other than for it to be bad. And, like, you don't want it to be the worst defense ever. But you can't really go and expect a top 10 defense. It's gonna, there's going to be a lot of pain points here. But when we flip it to the offense, even though there are some depth issues at receiver here, some question marks, a lot of question marks to be honest, but 
if the offense is bad, that raises a lot of like long-term red flags that are problems because if the offense is bad, that means either Matthew Stafford is bad, which would be very bad. I think they could draft a quarterback in 24, but if Stafford's bad, the team is going to win three games. I think like I don't think there's any other outlook really if Stafford is bad. They're not going to drag themselves to more wins if he's not firing the ball. You have this guy a lot of money over the next two years. So while I know a lot of people are penciling them in to draft a quarterback in the first round in 24, to me it's like you still got this guy under contract for big payday. The ideal scenario is he looks great, and then you could put some pieces around him in 24 to get back to where you wanted to be. That's one thing. There's Cam Akers, not as big of a thing, and he's probably not on the team in you know, 24 anyways, but he's a question mark, and I think like if he plays well, maybe they do re-sign him, but we'll see what happens. But I think Stafford and really the offensive line are the two really important questions that really matter for the sake of 2024 because everything else really is a tryout. But you add Steve Avilia, you uh, you bring back pretty much the whole offensive line besides him except David Edwards. You restructure Joseph Nopun's contract, so he's here. I think they restructured Brian Allen too, although not his money is not as significant as Note Boom. But they're both back. You got Logan Bruss coming off injury. You got everybody coming off injury, if we're being honest here. And so if that unit is bad, then you're kind of, you're locked in a note boom for a bit. I think you're locked into Havenstein for a bit. That raises a lot of questions. And they need that group specifically to improve their long-term outlook to be decent. They must be great, but they have to be decent. And you need to see something out of uh, Steve Avila you probably need to see something out of one of Brian Allen or Logan Bruss or Coleman Shelton, something really productive because if a veal is good, you probably need one of those two guys to be good. So you don't have to replace both of them in, in 24, uh, Havenstein. I mean, you just need him to not fall off a cliff and then we'll see what happens with no boom and Alaric Jackson, but it's, it's, yeah, I don't know if that made sense, but I think like, the offense is what really matters this year. And, you know, they can be great and the team could still not win a lot of games because of what the defense is going to look like. But if the offense is bad, it's a lot of long, it could raise a lot of long-term problems that ideally the offense is pretty good. We can invest a little bit into it in 24 and spend most of that draft capital and money putting together a killer defense around the handful of players that pop in 23. No, I mean, uh, pretty much, I, I will say that I may not be as skeptical of the offense as you might be. Um, I know that you. I know that sounded skeptical, but really to me, it's just like, if Stafford plays well, then I think the offense is going to play well. Some of that goes in the offensive line, but to me, the skepticism is more like, if it's bad, then we have big problems, like bigger than we yes. already have on our plate. So, so here's the thing. I, I'm actually, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. In terms of offense, well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is, you know, the, the offense that, you know, got us to the Super Bowl. Um, 
but you know, I do say that there are pieces there that can make this a, a pretty competent offense. I think this is going to be uh, an offense that surprises a lot of people, not just us. Um, I think Matthew Stafford, if healthy, is still a quality quarterback. Now, is he the prime Matthew Stafford? Of course not. His, his days are kind of getting numbered here. But I still think that he's a quality quarterback, much better than some of the others that are out there, let's be honest. Um, I, I, As much as I'm kind of skeptical of, of Cam Akers, uh, I do think that if he's healthy and the offensive line is healthy, he's still a pretty good uh, running back. And then you pair that with uh, the addition of Zach Evans. I think um, this can be a, a tandem that can be uh, a threat to be reckoned with. You know, uh, I, I like the steps forward to the offensive line to make this more of a balanced offense, not just, uh, Matthew, please go out there and throw, uh, you know, a 50-yard bomb and hope and pray that we score a touchdown. I like that it's not just that anymore. It's that they're taking the steps forward to actually running the football and hopefully running the football correctly. Um, I, I think the addition of Avila will help a lot, especially on the ground game. Uh, the offensive line as a whole, I feel like, is is heading towards the right direction. Maybe it's not the the quality offensive line that we're looking for, but let's face it, we needed more than just one offseason to correct that. Um, but I think it's a passable offensive line, and it probably will have its – uh, moments where you're going to question it. But I do think as the season goes along and they start developing chemistry, this is going to be a, a decent offensive line. I especially love the fact that there is more options. There's more depth. Um, there's a lot of versatility, which was something that was very minimal last year. So again, um, not maybe not a monumental change, but I think it is a change that's going to help this season and for the future. Uh, we may not have an idea of what's happening with guys like Brian Allen and Joe Noteboom in the future, but I think even then you can still replace some of those guys um, and you know get better in the future, along with growing with some of these other guys that have been recently added. So beyond that, you know, I felt like at at tight end, we got a little bit better. Um, don't need to go too much into that because, let's face it, it's going to be the Tyler Higby show anyway. Um, the only, literally, the only receipt, uh, the only position that I have the biggest question mark on offense is actually not offensive line; it's receiver. Yeah, and because yeah, it, and it's because they didn't really address it other than adding Puka Nakua and. You know, if, if he pans out, great, but I still feel like it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the, the guy that we need them to be unless No, I just don't think he's gonna be the, the guy that we needed. Um he's ho hopefully he pans out into something much better than I'm expecting, but uh really you you're getting worse each year at the position. And now you basically 
You only had Cooper Cup last year, and for sure you only have Cooper Cup this year. So that's my only concern. Other than that, I feel like the offense as a whole improved uh, after the draft. Yeah, the only reason I didn't mention receiver is because, like, A, Cooper Cup exists. So, you know, if he's there, he's, you know, one of the, at worst, five best receivers in the NFL if he's healthy. A lot of people, including probably us, would argue he's the best receiver in the NFL when healthy. Uh, But there are certainly... Well, I I I I, I got to say Justin Jefferson. I'll get I'll give him two. Uh <laughs> I mean, that guy's insane. But yeah, like yeah. and I think the other reason is I I think this group would have to every single guy would have to take a gigantic leap for them to not invest money in it next year whether that's with a high draft pick or whether that's in free agency just with like the way historically they've spent money and drafted receivers when they go to kind of turn the car around next season, you cannot tell me they're not adding a marquee name here uh, to go along with Cooper cup. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And he, even if Puka Nakua works out, uh, you know, that's not really a guy who, you know, the, yeah, sure. The absolute best case scenario is he's a really productive wide receiver too, but for a fifth round pick, realistically, if he's, a productive number three, you're elated and thrilled. And I don't even know if that, even though I really like the pick and I see why they did it, I'm not counting on him to be the guy of the future next Super Cup at any point soon. When you look at the other guys on the roster, um, Lance McCutcheon didn't really play last year, but had a killer preseason. Maybe they try and give him some reps. Tutu Atwell, I mean, showed some flashes, but I'm not counting on it. Ben Skoranek, who improved leaps and bounds last year. Not saying a ton, because if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know how I felt about him his rookie year, but turned out to be a productive player. That being said, again, not somebody I could ever see being the number two guy uh, and is more of just like a, a guy you can use like as a pseudo tight end or even a fullback as we saw last year, but a, a guy who I think will be in the rotation for his whole rookie contract, but never I isn't, is going to be the number two. And then there's Van Jefferson who Johnny, can you, I want you to guess when the last time Van Jefferson had a 100 yard game. If I had to guess it was, the um, very first game in 2021 uh, against the Bears. It was the 2019 Capital One Orange Bowl. Ouch. <laughs> Not that it's an arbitrary number. Um, he did have some genuinely really good performances in 2021, but I mean, since really since like November, December of that year, he hasn't really given us anything. He, you know, he, he did make some plays last year. And I think the last two games of the season, we got to see a little bit of what he can do, but didn't have, what do you think? What do you think his high in catches was last year in a single game? Probably about four or five catches. It was three. He never had more than three catches in a game last year. And Oof. so, yeah, it's 
he's a guy where like it's you know you you don't think he he has given you a ton stats wise and stats don't tell the whole story here but his stats are not great his, his last game with over 80 yards was uh November 28th 2021 against the Packers it's like what is how do you feel about this guy going into uh 2023 I just I, I'm not high on Van, and I think that if, like, Odell was still here or if Allen Robinson worked out, he could be a productive, a somewhat productive number three, but they're not here, and he's going to be the guy that is going to be asked to step up and be the two, and I, it's a contract year for him. I don't, I, I don't know if, if, if he's that guy. I just, I haven't seen close to enough from him to to be convinced that he can be that guy uh, no and that's very valid it's it's very valid to say that because uh i myself was thinking that you know when thinking about who's gonna be behind you know cooper cup on the depth chart is it is it gonna be van jefferson logically speaking you would say yes it's gonna be van jefferson but you could almost make an argument that ben skoranek could be your number two guy and no offense to Ben Skoranek, because let's face it, uh, we owe him a bit of, of props because Steve and I at one point wanted him cut, and uh, he turned out to be, you know, uh, a valuable asset for us after all. Yeah, for a seventh-round um, pick, he's panning out, but he's a seventh-round sure. pick. He's, he's not, nor should he be asked to be that number two guy. Yep. And, and the reality is you can make an argument if it if it's Skoranek or Van Jefferson as the number two guy, and it really shouldn't be that way. But that's just reality. Van Jefferson has had every opportunity to claim that role. Last year was a very big part for him. Uh, he, he could have easily stepped up and become that number two guy. But when push came to shove, I mean, we saw – you know, more glimpses of hope from Brandon Powell than we did from Van Jefferson. And that's not okay. That's that's not what you want to see for a guy that, you know, you drafted and had high hopes for. And, you know, again, he, he didn't even have Cooper Cup in front of him. You know, he had every opportunity to showcase his talent, and he didn't. And I get it. You know, last year the team as a whole was garbage. Uh, because the majority of them were on the injured reserve. But it doesn't matter. If you have a chance to step up, you got to step up. Otherwise, you have arguments like this where you, you're not even sure if he's going to be the number two receiver heading into the 2023 season. Yeah, and, and if you want to make the, the case for Van Jefferson, only played two games with Stafford last year. Uh played with backup quarterbacks the whole year, but, you know, they had Baker. It wasn't, you know, not that he was, he's a, a great quarterback, but he only got saddled with, with the Bryce Perkins, John Wolford group for, for a small amount of time. But it's, and it's, it's a bummer because he, he showed some real promise in 21 in that first half of the season. You know, he didn't have the hundred yard game. Sure. But uh, he made plays, and and he did, and he did make some plays last year too. But it's got to be more consistent. And I just, 
it's hard for me to really see a world where where he'd have to really make a big leap for them to keep him next year. I I just I think it's he's either going to make a big leap and either he'll price himself out of keeping him on the Rams or they'll keep him for maybe like an eight-ish million contract. Or if he doesn't really make a big leap, I think both sides are going to be okay with moving on. Yeah, I think it'll ultimately come down to that. It'll come down to, uh, uh, you know, if because it's his contract year, right? Yes. Yes, it is. So, uh, yeah, if it comes down to it, if Van Jefferson just isn't making any progress this year, we can expect him not back in 2024. And I think it may be better. Hopefully he finds success on another team if that's the case. But if there was ever a year for him to step up, it's during a contract year. Yeah, and he he has no con- – I mean, he, we name the guys, but he – that number two job is his. And he's going to really have to lose it to, to lose it. Um, and um, unless like, like two, two, two gets superpowers or something and, and ends up being worth that draft value. But Van Jefferson was drafted with the same exact pick. And while we've gotten more out of him than we've gotten from two, two, you know, if, if this, if he, if this is his last year on the team and then he just leaves without much to show for it, it's, it's a huge failure of that pick to not be able to develop this guy as, as well as you want to. Yeah. I, I, I do hold out hope because at least with Tutu Atwell, there was a few games where you, you saw a side of him that you hadn't pretty much his entire career. So I, I do hope that Tutu steps up. We'll see. You'll actually have a, um, you know, Matthew Stafford's arm out there, uh, a healthy Matthew Stafford. So hopefully that pans out, but we'll have to see on that one too. Yeah. And, and with Tutu, like, you know, he's, he's also never going to be the number two guy, which is, we don't have to go through, well, then why would you draft him at the second round? Because we don't fucking know why you would draft him in the second round, <laughs> but he's on the team and he has shown some flashes and he could potentially be a home run hitter type gadget type guy, which you no, know, it's not what you want out of a second round pick, but like you got to take what we can get at this point. And in fairness to Van, who we are looping in here with two two, not even in the same stratosphere of, of players at this moment. Like Van has shown more, much, 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 much more as an NFL player. I don't want to, I don't want to feel you guys just feel like I'm that down on him that I'm kind of putting them on the same tier of players. They're not completely different tiers of players at this point in their careers. Um, that's all I got. You got anything else, Johnny? Uh, I think you might've depressed our listeners here for a second, but <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I, I do think even though there was a bit of doom and gloom today, um, I do think one of the things that Steve and I did talk about was that our offense has, uh, is looking like going in the right direction. Hopefully, uh, defense still has a lot to be desired, but we kind of expected that. Um, but overall, hopefully a lot of these young guys pan out and it does make the preseason a lot more interesting that much. I will say, and look, I think that as um, as long as they don't win like three games this year, like I think it, even if they're not great, I think it could be a fun season. 
Um, and you're not, it's not like last year where we went in with championship expectations and they were fucking awful. It's, we're expect, like, we're going to the season with, like, hey, if everything goes right, we might get the six or seven seed, which is, you know, to, it's going to be easier to swallow a bad team this year than it was last year. Losing sucks. It always sucks. But right now, you can at least, even with all that shit I just said about the defense, even with how bad that depth chart is, I understand why that's a depth chart. Like, I get what they're doing. They didn't have a lot of options. And if they want to have a chance to win a Super Bowl with Stafford, Cup, and Donald on the roster, what they did this year was probably more or less the correct call. I think, you know, I don't know if trading Jalen Ramsey was the correct call. Other than that, the moves they made to, to clear cap space um, with Leonard Floyd and with Allen Robinson, you got to take your medicine at some point. And, and I get it. Is trading your third best player in the prime of his career a correct decision for virtually not for Byron Young we'll see we'll see uh probably not but I I at least understand what they're going for and I don't think if if Jalen Ramsey's on the roster right now the defense looks a lot better on paper but like how what's does the ceiling for this team change that much no probably not so I guess if you were gonna move on from him which is a, a again I don't think they should have, but if you were going to do it, I understand it, Like it, this was the time to do it. I don't know. That, that's a whole other podcast worth of debating if that was the right decision or not. Okay. Well, this was fun, and we'll have to come up with some podcast topics for next week. So, uh, Maybe it's time to bring up uh, do we give a shit? Oh, that's coming soon for sure. Uh, good luck to the Lakers tonight. Sixers gave me a miracle win last night. Um, I I know you had a heart attack last night. Fucking God, dude. They, they That game shouldn't have been close. They should have ran away with it, and they just didn't. And they let it give it to overtime, and then the refs tried to take the game away from us, and they, they pulled it out. Sixers-Lakers finals are not out of the cards right now. I am so down. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, follow us on Twitter st- at Steve Ribeiro, at Johnny Five Nut Six at Talk Rams. I at some point I might just stop pl- plugging Twitter because they're driving me fucking insane. Uh, <laughs> um, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.